0: Welcome to The Kinked Wire, the interventional radiology podcast from SIR Publications. You can learn more on our website, sirweb.org slash kinkedwire. This episode provides audio abstracts of papers published in the July 2022 issue of SIR's Journal of Vascular and Interventional Radiology. You can find the full papers on jvir.org. My name is Santa Herwald.
1: Hello, my name is Alex Grishi and I'm a 4th year medical student at Florida Atlantic University, Charles E. Schmidt College of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled "Polyethylene glycol drug eluting embolic microspheres loaded with doxorubicin for the treatment of hepatocellular carcinoma: Feasibility, safety and pharmacokinetic study" by Malagari and colleagues. Purpose: Polyethylene glycol drug eluting microspheres or PEG-dems can be loaded to elute doxorubicin the current study evaluated the pharmacokinetic profile and safety of pegdems in the treatment of patients with hepatocellular carcinoma. Materials and methods. The current prospective multicenter dose escalation study enrolled 25 patients, of which 68% were men with early or intermediate stage hepatocellular carcinoma and a performance status of 0. Patients in cohort one were assigned to receive target doxorubicin doses of 75, 100, or 150 milligrams. Analyses were performed on the basis of the specific dose of doxorubicin that the patient received because some patients received less than the assigned dose. Patients in cohort two received the maximum safe tested dose. Adverse events were classified according to the common terminology criteria for adverse events version 4.03. The tumor response was evaluated every three months according to the European Association for the Study of the Liver Criteria and Modified Response Evaluation Criteria in Solid Tumors. Results The maximum tested safe dose of doxorubicin was 150 mg. For the groups that received less than or equal to 75, 75 to 100, and 101 to 150 mg of doxorubicin, the peak plasma concentrations were 286.7 nanograms per milliliter. 157.1 nanograms per milliliter, and 245.4 nanograms per milliliter, respectively. The areas under the curves calculated from 0 to 24 hours were 421.7 nanogram hours per milliliter, 288.1 nanogram hours per milliliter, and 608.3 nanogram hours per milliliter, respectively, with almost complete clearance at 24 hours. There was no death within 30 days. The best objective response rate was 81% and the disease control rate was 91%. The median overall survival was 27.2 months with a median progression-free survival of 9.8 months. Conclusions. PEG Dems demonstrate a favorable safety profile with low systemic concentration of doxorubicin and promising efficacy.
2: Hello, my name is Jonas Sens and I am a fourth year medical student at Georgetown University School of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled Impact of Chemoembolic Regimen on Immune Cell Recruitment and Immune Checkpoint Marker Expression Following Transcatheter Arterial Chemoembolization in a VX2 Rabbit Liver Tumor Model by Burrs and Colleagues. Purpose. To characterize the effects of commonly used transcatheter arterial chemoembolization or TACE regimens on the immune response and immune checkpoint marker expression using a VX2 Rabbit Liver Tumor Model. Materials and Methods. 24 VX2 liver tumor-bearing New Zealand white rabbits were assigned to 7 groups, with 3 rabbits per group, undergoing local-regional therapy as follows. A. Bicarbonate infusion without embolization. B. Conventional taste using a water and oil emulsion containing doxorubicin mixed in a 1-2 to 2 ratio with lapidol, Drug-eluting embolic tastes with either C. 40 micron idorubicin-eluting oncosine microspheres or D, 40 to 90 micron doxorubicin eluding beads. For each therapy arm, i.e. groups B, C, and D, a tandem set of three animals with additional bicarbonate infusion before taste was added to evaluate the effect of pH modification on the immune response. Three untreated rabbits served as controls. Tissue was harvested 24 hours after treatment followed by digital immunohistochemistry quantification of tumor-infiltrating cluster of differentiation 3 positive T lymphocytes, human leukocyte antigen DR-type antigen presenting cells, cytotoxic T lymphocyte-associated protein 4, or CTLA-4, and programmed cell death protein 1, or PD-1, and PD-1 ligand pathway access expression. Results. Lumi bead tastes induce significantly more intratumoral T cell and antigen presenting cell infiltration than conventional tastes and oncosine microsphere taste. Additionally, tumors treated with lumi bead tastes express significantly higher intratumoral immune checkpoint markers compared with conventional tastes and oncosine microsphere taste. Neoadjuvant bicarbonate demonstrated the most pronounced effect on conventional tastes and resulted in a significant increase in intratumoral cluster of differentiation 3 positive T cell infiltration compared with conventional taste alone. Conclusions, this preclinical study revealed significant differences in evoked tumor immunogenicity, depending on the choice of chemoembolic regimen for TAS.
3: Hello,
4: my name is Talal Murad, and I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Illinois at Peoria. I'll be reading the abstract titled, Radiation Segmentectomy for the Treatment of Solitary Hepatocellular Carcinoma, Outcomes Compared with Those of Surgical Resection, by Garza Ramos and colleagues. Purpose, to investigate the outcomes of radiation segmentectomy versus standard of care surgical resection. Materials and methods, a multi-site retrospective analysis of treatment-naive patients who underwent either radiation segmentectomy or surgical resection was performed. The inclusion criteria were solitary hepatocellular carcinoma, less than or equal to 8 centimeters in size, Eastern Cooperative Oncology cohort performance status of zero or one, and absence of macrovascular invasion or extrahepatic disease. Target tumor and overall progression, time to progression, and overall survival rates were assessed. Outcomes were censored for liver transplantation. Results. A total of 123 patients were included, 57 of whom underwent radiation segmentectomy, and 66 of whom underwent surgical resection. Tumor size, child PMS, albumin, bilirubin score, platelet count, and fibrosis stage were significantly different between cohorts, with a P-value less than 001 Major adverse events defined as grade greater than or equal to 3 per the Clavien-Dindo classification occurred in 0 patients in the radiation segmentectomy cohort versus 13 or 20% of patients in the surgical resection cohort. Target tumor progression occurred in 3 or 5% of patients who underwent radiation segmentectomy and 5 or 8% of patients who underwent surgical resection. Overall progression occurred in 19 or 33% of patients who underwent radiation segmentectomy and 21 or 32% of patients who underwent surgical resection. The median overall time to progression was 21.9 and 29.4 months after radiation, segmentectomy, and surgical resection, respectively. Overall time to progression subgroup analyses showed no difference between treatment cohorts with fibrosis stages 3 or 4 and a platelet count of less than 150 by 10 to the ninth per liter. The overall progression hazard ratio for radiation segmentectomy versus surgical resection was not significant for the multivariate Cox regression analysis. The median overall survival was not reached for either of the cohorts. Propensity scores were calculated but were too dissimilar for analysis. Conclusions. Radiation segmentectomy and surgical resection were performed in different patient populations, which limits comparison. Radiation segmentectomy approached surgical resection outcomes with a lower incidence of major adverse events in patients who were not eligible for hepatotectomy.
3: Hello. My name is Priya Gupta, and I am a fourth year medical student at Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School. I will be reading the abstract titled Radioembolization for Hepatocellular Carcinoma The Effects of Arterial Portal Shunts on Non Targeted Liver Hypertrophy by Park and colleagues. Purpose To determine whether arterial portal shunting to the contralateral lobe attenuates liver function. And hypertrophy of the non targeted liver after radioembolization in patients with hepatocellular carcinoma. Materials and methods. The current retrospective study included 46 patients who received radioembolization for hepatocellular carcinoma contained within the right lobe between 2012 and 2020. The patients were divided into the following groups on the basis of the presence and extent of arterial portal shunting. Patients with retrograde arterial portal shunting to the left lobe or the contralateral group and patients with arterial portal shunt limited to the right lobe or no arterial portal shunt or the control group. Safety profiles, including adverse events, tumor response, and overall survival were compared. With the volume of the left lateral segment used as a surrogate marker for non-target liver, the degree of hypertrophy was compared between the two groups at three and six months. Results. Liver function significantly deteriorated in the contralateral group in a month with a p-value less than or equal to 0.05. Tumor response and overall survival did not significantly differ between the two groups. The degree of hypertrophy was significantly higher in the control group than in the contralateral group at three months, with a p value equal to 0.008, and at six months, with a p value less than 0.001. Conclusions In patients with arterial portal shunting to the contralateral lobe, hypertrophy of the non target liver may not occur and the liver function may be worsened.
5: Hello, my name is Derek Yuan, and I am a fourth-year medical student at Turo University College of Osteopathic Medicine in California. I will be reading the abstract titled Safety and Efficacy of Percutaneous Cryoablation of Extraspinal Thyroid Cancer Bone Metastases with Curative Intent. Single-center experience with a Median follow-up of more than 5 years, by Achuzo and colleagues. Purpose To determine the oncologic outcomes and safety profile of image-guided percutaneous cryoablation for extraspinal thyroid cancer bone metastases with curative intent. Materials and methods Between January 2010 and January 2020, 16 consecutive patients with 18 bone metastases With Median bone tumor size of 19 millimeters, underwent percutaneous cryoablation of oligometastatic extraspinal bone metastases. 13 patients, or 81%, were radioiodine therapy resistant. Two patients underwent two bone tumor ablations in a single session. Procedural data, oncologic outcomes, follow up with magnetic resonance imaging, and positron emission tomography, computed tomography, and adverse events were retrospectively investigated. Local tumor progression-free survival, disease-free survival, and overall survival were estimated using the Kaplan-Meier method. Results. A median of two cryoprobes were used, with two freezing cycles. The median length of freezing was 20 minutes. The technical success was 100% in 18 out of 18 procedures, and the primary technical efficacy was 94.4% in 17 out of 18 procedures. The median follow-up was 68 months. During follow-up, 17.6% or 3 of 17 tumors demonstrated local progression at 7, 13, and 27 months. Consequently, the 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5-year local tumor progression-free survivals were 93.3%, 84.6%, 76.9%, 75%, and 72.7% respectively. 12.5% or 2 of 16 patients died during follow-up at 43 and 88 months. The major adverse event rate was 5.5% in one of the 18 procedures with one post-ablative acromion fracture. Conclusions. Percutaneous cryoablation for extraspinal thyroid cancer bone metastases demonstrated high local tumor control rates with a safe profile at long-term follow-up.
0: Hello, my name is Vanessa Lisey-Schwartz. And I am a recent graduate from the American University of Antigua. I will be reading the abstract titled, Outcomes of Irreversible Electroporation for Perihilar Cholangiocarcinoma: a Prospective Pilot Study by Franken and colleagues. Purpose, to investigate the safety and efficacy of percutaneous or open irreversible electroporation or IRE and a prospective cohort of patients with locally advanced, unresectable perihilar cholangiocarcinoma, or PHC materials and methods, In a multi-center phase one and two study, patients with unresectable PHC due to extensive vascular involvement or N2 lymph node metastasis or local recurrence after resection for PHC were included and treated by open or percutaneous IRE combined with palliative chemotherapy. The primary outcome was the number of major adverse events occurring within 90 days after IRE, and the upper limit was predefined at 60%. Secondary outcomes included technical success rate, hospital stay, and overall survival. Results. 12 patients with a mean age of 63 were treated with IRE. The major adverse event rate was 50%, or six out of 12 patients, and no 90-day mortality was observed. All procedures were technically successful, with no intra-procedural adverse events requiring additional interventions. The median overall survival from diagnosis was 21 months, with a one-year survival rate of 75% after IRE. Conclusions. Percutaneous IRE and selected patients with locally advanced PHC seems feasible, with a major adverse event rate of 50%, which was below the predefined upper limit safety in this prospective study. Further comparative research exploring the efficacy of IRE is warranted.
6: Hello, my name is Richard Liang, and I'm a fourth-year medical student at the New York Institute of Technology, College of Osteopathic Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled Magnetic Resonance Imaging Biomarkers for the Prediction of Outcome After Radiofrequency Ablation of Hepatocellular Carcinoma, Qualitative and Quantitative Assessments of the Liver Imaging Reporting and Data System and Radiomic Features by Petu Hover-Greenstein and colleagues. Purpose to assess the liver imaging, reporting, and data system, or LIRAD and radiomic features in pretreatment magnetic resonance, or MR, imaging for predicting progression-free survival in patients with nodular hepatocellular carcinoma treated with radiofrequency ablation. Material methods. 65 therapy-naive patients with 85 nodular hepatocellular carcinoma tumors less than 5 centimeters in size were included in this Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act-compliant Institutional Review Board-approved retrospective study. All patients underwent radiofrequency ablation as first-line treatment and demonstrated complete response on the first follow-up imaging. Gadolinium-enhanced MR imaging biomarkers were analyzed for LIRAD's features by two board-certified radiologists or by analysis of nodular and perinodular radiomic features from three-dimensional segmentations. A radiomic signature was calculated with the most informative features of at least absolute shrinkage and selection operator Cox regression model using leave-one-out cross-validation. The association between both LIRADs features and radiomic signatures with progression-free survival was assessed via the Kaplan-Meier analysis and a weighted log-rank test. Results The median progression free survival was 19 months, with a 95% confidence interval of 16.1 to 19.4 months for a follow up period of 24 months. Multifocality, the appearance of capsular continuity compared with an absent or discontinuous capsule, and a higher radiomic signature based on nodular and perinodular features were associated with poor progression free survival in early stage hepatocellular carcinoma. The observation size presence of arterial hyperenhancement, non-peripheral washout, and appearance of an enhancing capsule were not associated with progression-free survival. Conclusions. Although multifocal paleocellular carcinoma clearly indicates a more aggressive phenotype, even in early-stage disease, the continuity of an enhancing capsule and a higher radiomic signature may add value as MR imaging biomarkers for poor progression-free survival in high-cellular carcinoma treated with radiofrequency ablation.
7: Hello, my name is Deshaun Adams and I am a fourth-year medical student at the University of Central Florida. I will be reading the abstract titled Independent Predictors of Major Adverse Cardiovascular Events at Three Years After Aortoiliac Stent Implantation by Yamauchi and colleagues. Purpose to identify the risk factors for major adverse cardiovascular events, or MACEs in real-world practice for symptomatic peripheral artery disease in Japan. Data was collected on 880 Japanese patients from the Observational Prospective Multicenter Registry Study on outcomes of peripheral arterial disease patients treated by angioplasty therapy for aortoiliac artery who underwent de novo aortoiliac stent placement. The three-year risk of incident MACEs was investigated. Results, the median age of the patients was 72.6 years, and 83.1% of the patients were men. The patients had the following conditions. Smoking in 35.6%, hypertension in 94.1%, dyslipidemia in 81.7%, diabetes in 48%, renal failure on dialysis in 12.6%, myocardial infarction in 12.7%, stroke in 15.8%, and chronic limb-threatening ischemia in 7.1%. Femoral popliteal lesions were present in 38.8% of limbs with aortoiliac lesions. The three-year rate of freedom for MESAs was 89.1%. Baseline characteristics such as age, renal failure on dialysis, myocardial infarction, stroke, and femoral popliteal lesions were independently associated with the risk of incident MACEs. When the study population was stratified according to these risk factors, the rate of MACEs was highest in patients with at least three risk factors, with a rate of 32.9% at three years. Conclusions, the three-year rate of freedom for MACEs was reported, Baseline characteristics such as age, renal failure on dialysis, myocardial infarction, stroke, and femoral popliteal lesions are independent risk factors for MACEs after aortoiliac stent placement.
8: Hello, my name is Eric Cooper, and I'm a fourth-year medical student at the University of Illinois at Chicago. I will be reading the abstract titled "Comparing Endovascular and Surgical Treatments for Varicocele, A Systematic Review and Meta-analysis." by Liu and colleagues. Purpose, to conduct a systematic review and meta-analysis to assess the relative efficacy of endovascular and surgical treatments for varicocele. Materials and methods, PubMed and Embase databases were systematically searched to identify studies reporting on the outcomes associated with surgical or endovascular treatments of varicoceles. The studies that assess the relative efficacy of surgical and endovascular treatments For patients with clinical varicocele were eligible for inclusion. Pooled data analyses were performed. Results. A total of 16 studies incorporating 2,138 patients were included in the present meta-analysis. The pooled risk ratio values suggested that rates of adverse events were lower among patients who underwent endovascular treatment than those who underwent surgical treatment, with a relative risk of 0.63 and a p-value of 0.02. Both treatments were associated with similar rates of recurrence in pregnancy. Conclusions. These data demonstrate that endovascular treatment for varicocele is associated with similar rates of recurrence and subsequent pregnancy outcomes compared with surgical treatment, but
9: with lower rates of adverse events. Hello, my name is Ty Mattinson. And I am a fourth year medical student at the University of Washington School of Medicine. I will be reading the abstract titled Maskless Two Dimensional Digital Subtraction Angiography Generation Model for Abdominal Vasculature Using Deep Learning by Yanazawa and colleagues. Purpose to develop a deep learning model to generate synthetic two dimensional subtraction angiograms free of artifacts from native abdominal angiograms materials, and methods. In this retrospective study, two-dimensional digital subtraction angiography images and native angiograms were consecutively collected from July 2019 to March 2020. Images were divided into motion-free and motion artifact sets, a total of 3,185, 393, 383 and 345 images from 87 patients were included in the training, validation, motion-free, and motion artifact test datasets, respectively. Native angiogram image pairs were used to train and validate an image-to-image translation model to generate synthetic deep learning-based subtraction angiography images. Deep learning-based subtraction angiography images were quantitatively evaluated by the peak signal-to-noise ratio and structural similarity using the motion-free data set and were qualitatively evaluated via visual assessments by radiologists with a numerical rating scale using the motion artifact data set. Results. The deep learning-based subtraction angiography images showed a mean peak signal-to-noise ratio of 43.05 decibels, and mean structural similarity of 0.98, indicating high agreement with the original two-dimensional digital subtraction angiography images in the motion-free dataset. Qualitative visual evaluation by radiologists of the motion artifact dataset showed the deep learning-based subtraction angiography images contain fewer motion artifacts than two-dimensional digital subtraction angiography images. Additionally, deep learning-based subtraction angiography images scored similar to or higher than two-dimensional digital subtraction angiography images for vascular visualization and clinical usefulness. Conclusions. The developed deep learning model generated synthetic motion-free subtraction images from abdominal angiograms With similar characteristics to two-dimensional digital subtraction angiography images.
0: We thank all the medical students who helped with this episode. My name is Ashani Choksi and I am a third year medical student at Rowan University School of Osteopathic Medicine and I was your audio editor for this episode. The research from this episode will be appearing in the July 2022 issue of JVIR and you can visit jvir.org for the full papers, other audio content,
3: and much more.